Could you just tell us about your company? What What is Sweet Potato Awesome? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. So Sweet Potato Awesome, we manufacture and sell freeze-dried sweet potato slices and fries. We also do strawberries occasionally to kind of fill in the gaps during the times when it's a little bit more difficult to, uh, to acquire, get sweet potatoes. Kind of during the summer, it's a little harder to get the best sort of sweet potatoes. And also because fruits are in general a little bit a little bit easier than, than doing sweet potatoes. But yeah, we primarily do freeze-dried sweet potatoes. We kind of have a unique preparation process prior to the freeze-drying. And I think what also makes us unique is that we season our sweet potato slices and fries with that we have a cinnamon flavor, a dill and garlic flavor, uh, a sea salt flavor, and then we have the the fry sea salt and the, the fry, and then the sea salt slice. And we still have a few of our chipotle slices, but we're discontinuing that. So maybe we can talk about why why later. But uh, but those are the basic sweet potato awesome flavors right now. And how'd you choose those flavors? Like what kind of did you try? a lot of different flavors and you kind of fine tune on what the customer liked or like how many did you start with and how many basically now do you have? Well, I, I did start with more. I mean, when I started out the farmer's market here in Las Vegas, I had a, I had a chia version, which basically I think I took cinnamon and I had some, like I put some chia on it and it seemed to stick fairly well. But I think one of the things that I've learned in business is like, it's, uh, you just want to keep things as simple as possible because, you know, business, especially the food business is very challenging because you want, you got to keep your cost of goods sold down. And so my thought was to try to, you know, to reduce the number of SKUs that we had. And so early on, I was like, well, I love the, the Chia awesome, but I don't know how many people are going to, you know, if that's going to be as, as widely loved as much as I love it. And so early on, I, I had chia, I had the chipotle, cinnamon. I used to call the cinnamon original awesome because when I first started, I would, even before I did anything with freeze drying, I would eat sweet potatoes, you know, baked in coconut oil with cinnamon. And hmm. so that, and that was the first thing I tried in my Harvest Right freeze dryer. And I, you know, I really liked it. So that was the first flavor that I'd kind of really come up with. And, and we just started getting feedback from customers and they, they liked, you know, for the most part, pretty much all the flavors. And so I think because we were small and I wanted to get more and more feedback, I, I just kind of like threw them all out there at the farmer's market. Yeah. And uh, I never really wanted to, you know, I look, I look at in and out, in and out is like the ideal business because they just have a very simple menu and they can get like super efficient at doing what they do. And, and, you know, that they yield a, a lot of profits for them. And so that's kind of the goal that I have in mind, kind of keeping the, our menu sort of simple. Yeah. That's definitely something that I talk about in, in, in my videos for this channel is I talk about how, you know, there's a lot of things to freeze dry and a lot of our subscribers, you know, a lot of people are getting into freeze drying kind of, you know, just kind of the, the trendy things like candy and stuff, but you can get overwhelmed with the amount of SKUs and products that you're doing. And sometimes less is more because you got to store all that product. You got to, you know, buy all the product. And if it's not selling, you're, you're, you're kind of depending on the use date and things like that. So I definitely preach, you know, simplicity and, and sometimes I do things seasonally for my own business, but yeah, I, I get you. That's awesome. Now, why sweet potatoes? Because I, you know, I mentioned this prior to 
me talking to you, but you know, sweet potatoes is a superfood. It's very healthy for you, but you know, why sweet potatoes? And did you explore other types of foods prior to saying, I'm going to go all in on sweet potatoes? Well, I guess to answer that question, I, it requires a little bit of a backstory as to how I got into the food business. I kind of have a unique story. I was, I was discerning a, a call to the priesthood in a Catholic seminary in, in Boston, Massachusetts, where I had a very specific moment in prayer. I was with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary and a very, very, very specific moment in prayer. And God said, go to Las Vegas, start a business. You're, you're not called to the priesthood. To make <laughs> a long story short, I, I, I left the seminary soon thereafter with this very sort of deep conviction that God was it's kind of sending me on this mission. And, and he, you know, he had, it was clear to me that he wanted me to start a business and my being a foodie and being very passionate about food and kind of, kind of like with a deep awareness of like the difference that food can, can make, you know, on a, on a psychological, physical, spiritual level, I wanted to do a food business. And so initially I was trying to do a almond flour cookie recipe. And I was curious to see if other flours that were you know, kind of healthy would work. And I think I had bought some sweet potato flour on like a specialty nutrition, you know, website, because in general, sweet potatoes are a little bit more, you know, acceptable for people on more restricted diets. Some people can't deal with nuts very well. And I liked the taste of the sweet potato flour, but my question was like, how do I make sweet potato flour and retain the nutrients? And so I started to dig around and the answer was freeze drying in terms of if you wanted to retain the nutrients in what you're drying or dehydrating. You know, I was looking reading all these articles and showing that, you know, there's very high retention of nutrients and coming from a background where, you know, kind of very health minded. Uh, this was my goal. I was like, I really want to make this as healthy as possible. And so I bought a, one of the early freeze dry machines from Harvest Right. I'm pretty sure it was number 63, which I think it was like the 63rd they ever made. It was back in 2014 and set it up. I, I, I'm now in Las Vegas, but I was in Massachusetts kind of staying with my parents for a few months. So I set up the harvest right freeze dry machine in my parents' garage. And, and I was simply freeze drying just so I could have these slices that I could break down into flour. And when I first kind of experienced the taste of these freeze-dried pieces of sweet potato, I was like, that's really interesting. And I, I thought it, I thought it tasted good. And I said, well, forget about cookies. This is far more unique. And, and then I started to play around with adding salt and, and doing the original awesome, which is, you know, cause I knew I liked tasting it. I, I like the taste of it out of the oven. So I'm like, yeah. well, if I freeze dry it, it's going to be the same sort of thing. And, and then I started to keep, keep experimenting with fries and then different flavors. The dill and garlic actually was the idea was kind of given to me by a, a sweet potato farmer up in Wisconsin that I had talked to. And then the Chipotle, I just was talking to, to chefs at the, at the farmer's market. And I was asking them like, what goes well with sweet potatoes? You know, cause you got a lot of really good chefs here in Las Vegas who work on the strip. And I think the one thing that I kept hearing over and over was Chipotle. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how I came up with the, the different flavors that we have now. I just have a question cause I live in Idaho. But do you buy any sweet potatoes from Idaho? Because we are the like potato mecca of the United States. So I, I do not. I, I'm sure that they have sweet potatoes in Idaho, but they, they have a lot more in California because technically like sweet potatoes are not potatoes. They are from the morning glory family and potatoes are from the nightshade family. And <laughs> a lot of our 
the people that are sort of our target main customer is our pe- people that are on the sort of what is called the autoimmune protocol diet. So they avoid things like nightshades, which would include onions, peppers, you know, that sort of thing and oh, white potatoes. And uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, I, there may be more sweet potatoes up in Idaho, but California is right next door to Nevada and we've been buying them from California. So. And California is the oh. number two producer in the country for, for sweet potatoes behind North Carolina. So now I got to ask about your harvest rate. So how did you, how did you even find harvest rate? Because at 63, I mean, on Google, did it come up in a search engine or did you have some type of connection? And uh, yeah, just tell me like, how did you come across a affordable freeze dryer? Cause you know, a lot of people have, are getting into freeze drying and it's only been three years or so that's really taken off. So. Yeah. How'd you come to find Harvest Right? It was a lot of Googling, if I recall, and <laughs> just like searching because there, <clears throat> there were a few companies that, that made sort of, like, I guess they would call them like pilot freeze dry machines. Right. So I, I think I probably found them first and they were like 16 or 20 grand. And I was like, geez, that's crazy for such a small machine. And I think I just through Googling, I just, you know, kept searching and, you know, found their website and, and made the order. Now, keeping on with the freeze drying equipment, right? Like, do you still own some Harvest Right freeze dryers? And how many did you, so you started out with one and what's the most you've actually had just knowing just kind of your operation? Uh, I think I purchased 20, yeah, 20, 20, 20 Harvest Right freeze dry machines. I think the most I've had operating all at the same time was 17. And now I have a it's a, it's not official. I was, I don't know how I should describe this, but it's a prototype that I was able to purchase from Harvest, right? That is a very large and basically it'll, it'll hold eight, 22, 18 by 26 full-size sheet pans. And so I've been using that. That's been really, really helpful for our business. And I was able to purchase that just basically because I, you know, kept bugging Harvest, right? For a bigger freeze dry machine and they were working on it. I think they've, they've started to talk about it and I think they're going to be releasing them by the end of this year. I don't, don't quote me on that, but I think they're going to be releasing them to the general public, you know, later on this year. Oh, interesting. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and right now I have, I think, uh, I think it's 14 freeze dry machines. Wow. Not most of them are, are up and running, but I'm trying to transition to if I could have just like three or four of the large industrial units, that would be ideal. It just makes yeah. our process a lot, a lot quicker, specifically because we're going from the oven to, to the freeze dryer and the, the, the sheet pans are the same size. So it really helps us out in terms of efficiency. Yeah. Well, Harvest Strike just came out with their XL earlier this year, and that's really been a game changer. I unfortunately don't have one yet. I'm hoping that I can trade in a couple of mine. And, and sell them and then get the XL because, you know, it can do up to 36 pounds of food. And it's just, that's at least two and a half times of two and a half cycles of the regular large. So really could trim down time. Now, have you looked at other types of freeze dryers? Because one of the things I did want to talk to you about is there's quite a, you know, probably since 2014, you know, Harvest Right seemed to be kind of the only home freeze dryer, but now there's a lot of other ones that I talk about on my channel that other people are buying. There's a stay fresh machine that actually is built in Utah as well. There's also a couple other ones, Alpine freeze dryer. There's this cube by prep for life. They're all smaller ones, but have you looked at any other ones? Are you familiar with those? What's your take on all these other manufacturers? 
I haven't used any of them out, you know, I've only used harvest rights and I've only purchased harvest rights. I have looked into them, but because like right now it's such a priority for us to find a large, really large freeze dry machine, yeah. I haven't really considered purchasing one. And as far as I know, they don't, I don't think any of them have one, you know, as large as the XL. So like for us, because, you know, we're carrying about 50 whole foods and we're trying to really expand, you know, scale is is of the utmost importance so but it's really encouraging for me to see all these manufacturers you know coming out there because it sort of validates the industry yep you know because i i've been doing this for a while and it's just it's exciting to see the industry starting to take off so exactly I like competition yeah I, I i tell people that all the time you know it's like you know people are like is it too late to get in i was like on the contrary i think it's the perfect time i mean there's so much technology that people companies all these companies investing and and building and spending all that money to invest in building freeze dryers i mean that's a lot of money and they're only going to do that if they see an opportunity for a business to grow and actually the technology for knowing that it's dry knowing that it's getting faster also just like just a smarter machine is only going to be beneficial for not just a commercial large company like you, but, you know, for small people as well, just trying to get into it. So on the contrary, I think competition is great. Do you have any cool equipment or is there something that you just absolutely love that you purchased and it took a big leap to buy it, but you just, you can't live without it right now? Yes. And I would say that is a, it's, it's a, it's a heat sealing gas purge machine, which will seal four pouches at the same time. And we, we transitioned, we, before we had that, we had a single, basically heat sealing purging machine that would do one bag at a time. And uh, it, it, it's a, it was a game changer for us. I, I think it's really important for us because I mean, you got on one level, you want to retain the nutrients as best you can inside what you freeze dried. And so therefore you want to avoid oxygen exposure. And so the, the tighter seal that you can get on a, your, your pouch, I think the better. The other aspect, maybe some of your listeners hadn't, haven't heard of the nitrogen purge, but basically what you do is, is you push in nitrogen into the pouch, which disperses the oxygen and, and then reduces the oxygen inside the pouch and, you know, gives you, you know, a better shelf life. And in particular, if you're, if you're doing anything with any sort of fat, like we use coconut oil as one of our ingredients. So, which is, has a very low, out of all the oils, it's probably the least likely to go rancid, but it's something we're very conscious of, uh, to try to avoid that because we don't want our customers, you know, opening up a bag and having that smell right. So sure. it's, it's, it's really important for us to be able to, you know, get as much oxygen out of the pouch and get it sealed in. And the other, the other aspect there is that when you seal the pouch and you get that poof, here, I got one right here. We get like this, the push, the cushion, it protects what's inside better. And so you get less of a chance that, you know, all the, whatever product or fruit or vegetable that you're freeze drying, you know, less of a chance that it's going to break down when you ship it somewhere or just when it's traveling, that sort of thing. So. Yeah. And for those that don't know about kind of the, the nitrogen type of thing versus like oxygen absorbers, you know, that typically has been kind of a standard for, you know, putting it in and storing it away like MREs type style, but uh, you know, what, what, what's the, is the shelf life? Is it just as long as, you know, putting it in a Mylar bag, sealing it up and, you know, vacuum sealing, and then 
putting a, a auction absorber in? Like how, how long have you seen some of your product last? I would say it's longer simply because, you know, if you, if you put, if you put an oxygen absorber in there, like I was told when I, cause I used to use oxygen absorbers in conjunction with my older nitrogen heat sealing, the nitrogen purge heat sealing unit. And the salesperson told me that like, once you open that bag of oxygen absorbers, like if you leave it open for any much, much longer than like 15 or 20 minutes, like they're all done. And so I think of it this way, like, even if you're putting it inside of a sealed bag, like it's going to, it's going to absorb oxygen for a while and it's definitely going to help, but it's much more efficient as if you can figure out a way to get the oxygen, get it to the point where your pouch has as little oxygen to start with as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I, the unit that we have now, I, you know, I had to get a loan. It's fairly expensive. I think it was about $15,000. So it's, you know, it's not exactly for like, you know, a cottage food sort of business, but it, we could basically it'll pull a vacuum and do a gas purge and pull a vacuum and do a gas purge. You can set the number of times that it does that. And we just did a test when I was first setting up the machine with an actual like oxygen sort of, you know, recognizing device to tell you how much oxygen was in there. And we noticed a pretty substantial difference when we ran it, you know, seven or eight cycles as opposed to just one. And uh, when you have that, the vacuum with like a subtle vacuum and then the gas purge and the subtle vacuum, that's the ideal sort of scenario. I mean, I, I would say if anybody's doing anything with some sort of fat where you really need to get the oxygen out of there, it's, you know, it, it, it's certainly really helpful. It's, it, it's expensive. The other unit, the first unit that we had, the name escapes me right now, but I bought it from, it was a, it's a company in San Diego that would only have the gas purge and the heat seal, which was still really helpful. I mean, it had a vacuum mode, but it was kind of hard to, to get it to vacuum just right. The newer unit does that really well. But even with that, you know, we had, we had pretty good luck with it. Not as, it's not as good as it is now, but I just think that aspect of that pushing all the nitrogen in there and getting out of getting the oxygen out of there is, yeah. is, is pretty helpful. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's an interesting world out right now in terms of there's a lot of people getting into freeze drying, including myself that, uh, you know, you're trying to find the best information out there of like, you know, freeze drying really wasn't something that was a common practice or like a food process for a lot of people. And so a lot of people are buying bags with windows on them. Well, that window allows a lot of sunlight that then exposes the product to uh, spoil, things like that. And then, you know, everyone thinks of oxygen absorbers because that's what Mountain House or, you know, an MRE had previously. And that's what just kind of like you think of you need. Same thing. But then when you go and buy a freeze-dried strawberries at Trader Joe's, there's no oxygen absorber in there. And, and it still tastes just as great, still just as dry of a strawberry, things like that. And, you know, there's a lot of, I think, unknown, maybe, maybe there is known research, but there's a lot of unknown public knowledge of how to really preserve the, the freeze drying products. And I think that's going to change as competition comes in, as the industry grows for sure. I definitely want to talk to you more about that in a future interview, because uh, I'd be interested to know kind of like how you found out 
all these ways to like preserve and make sure you're doing the right things with your food. Hey, while we pause the interview for one second, if you could do me two things. One, hit the like button on this video so that I know whether the content that is in this video is very helpful for you. And then number two, if you could comment in this video and let me know maybe further questions that you would have liked me to ask Josh, I might be able to actually get another interview scheduled with him and we can ask those questions. All right, let's get back to the interview. Can you tell us what it inspires you most to like keep going with Sweet Potato Awesome? Well. I, you know, I, I strongly believe that food is very, very important. I think as a, as a whole, our society doesn't place a proper value on the importance of food. I think it, I think it affects us in ways that we're not always aware of or conscious of, and mm. uh, food is very important. But I think honestly, the, the, the real reason that keeps me, you know, changing out the freeze dry machine and cleaning the, cleaning the trash and stuff at, you know, 10 o'clock, 1030 at night, you know, six days a week is that I, I believe very strongly, as I mentioned earlier, that I, I'm, this is my path to sanctification as a, as a Christian, as a Catholic. And it's, it's sort of the path that God has given me. And I, I'd feel like I was not, I, I feel like I'd be running away from something if I wasn't giving myself fully to this, this project and this business. So. Oh, that's great. Well, also I got to ask too, you know, are you finally able to pay yourself a salary being from a small business now to where you're at today? Is it has, has the effort and everything that you put in over these past nine years finally come to fruition in terms of allowing yourself to have a, a nice, you know, a nice payday for your company? Well, no, <laughs> but uh, I was open it, for a different a, answer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think this is, I mean, a lot of your, your viewers, you know, I think it's probably important to know that in the food business, it's like when you start out and you're working, you're doing, I did the cottage food thing and you're, you're in your own home and you're, you're selling pretty well at the farmer's market, but you don't really have that many expenses and you know, you have, you have some expenses for sure, but they're limited. And I made the jump to, to basically lease a, you know, commercial space. And because we were freeze drying, I. I, I mean, I'm sure there are other people that are able to do it, but I just didn't see a way that there would, would be able to do it uh, without having access to that space. So I didn't think I could rent like a commercial a space in a commercial kitchen. And uh, it's just something to keep in mind is that as you grow, like we've grown, you know, now we're 50 Whole Foods, which we sell pretty well at, and a large retailer in Los Angeles called Air One. And, uh, you know, the, the rent goes up, the cost of sweet potatoes go up, transportation goes up and it's, it's something to keep in mind is why I talked about sort of that efficiency, you know, the importance of efficiency and reducing your SKUs is that you just got to, the name of the game in the food business is sort of keeping your cost of goods sold down is you can sell a lot of your product, but if you're not, and I, I, I see it in your videos, you're very much aware of it yourself, keep that expense down. And we're kind of at this place where we're very close to getting to everything to efficiency and the scale. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to, I used to tell people all the time that I talked to, I'm like, well, the selling is the easy part. That's sort of the fun part of the business. It's just the making it. And, you know, for the longest time, you know, prior to us getting this really large freeze dry machine, it was, it was a quite a struggle because smaller units just weren't, we were, I was doing it, you know, but they just weren't enough for us to be able to kind of take the next step. And like, right now we're very, we're really close to kind of getting over the hump with the larger dryer. It's just like, there's a certain amount of scale that you need. 
So I think something else that your viewers might want to keep in mind is that, you know, grocery stores, it's sort of a, it's a glamorous sort of thing, but it also can be a very expensive sort of thing because you have to take into account the, the transportation. A lot of grocery stores will require a distributor, you know, mm -hmm. Whole Foods has been a great partner. They've been fantastic. They, they have allowed me to ship directly to them. So basically I got a higher margin because I can ship directly to, to Whole Foods. But a lot of grocery stores that approach, you'll approach, they aren't even that big. They'll, they want to work with a distributor because it makes their job easier. And so when you right. work with a distributor, your margins are cut, you know, that much more. So it's just something to keep in mind that, you know, growth is, is expensive. And again, you, you, it's why it's so important to keep your costs of goods sold down your production process as super efficient as possible, because it's a big step going from, you know, farmer's market to sort of a more commercial you know, wholesale sort of operation. So for sure. And I'm kind of, I, I've been, I, I've had this channel for almost a year now and I, I've told people, you know, there is, there's, and anybody who's watching this, who's brand new or hasn't kind of seen my videos and what I preach <laughs> and is, is that there's a lot of ways to take the step to cottage food and still build a sustainable business that doesn't require you to lease a commercial space necessarily and have to invest in all that equipment. You know, I, I'm a Christian as well. And basically I, I contacted churches because churches typically have a licensed commercial kitchen for their congregation and their members. And, uh, you know, you could put one, two, maybe even three freeze dryers there and just kind of start tapping into your local market to see how you could sell wholesale and things like that. And yes, you know, those wholesale retailers are going to take a cut. But you can do a little bit more volume and you can really see kind of what, what's a food, what, what is this type of food service industry and this food processing industry? And do you like it? Do you like the grind of, all right, the sales, just like you said, the sale is great. All of a sudden you get that, that order. You're like, great. That's awesome. Then you get the check. It's great. But all you got, the work is going into it now. So you've got to meet the deadlines of what they want. And if you have a lot of SKUs like a lot of people have with all this candy and ice cream and fruits, man, it could be really, really daunting. So I encourage people to look at churches, schools, and I'm at a, I'm at a restaurant and I'm the only one there, fortunately. And, you know, it's an affordable rent where I can really test it out. And just a little off topic in terms of my story is I actually had five freeze dryers at one time with my friend who I started this with, and that lasted about six months. And the reason being is we still had full-time jobs. We still, we were growing our families. I've got two boys under the age of three now. And, uh, you know, it just became too much because five freeze dryers requires you to fiddle five freeze dryers and get the food out, then store it, then bag it. And yes, I liked having a partner because I got to do the selling and I also got to do the distribution and the wholesale and deliveries, but he was doing all the bagging and bagging a thousand bags a month can get really monotonous if you don't have some type of system. And so, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I think I'm kind of in that middle ground where I haven't yet made that leap where you were probably years ago where I got my own lease space, but I'm happy where I'm at. And I do have aspirations to be at, at your space at some point, some point, just based on some ideas I have, but I'm happy with what I've got right now. And that works with my lifestyle. Yeah. If, if I may add, I think that's a really smart approach. You know, just staying 
staying kind of lean and mean and not, you know, I, I'm just like, I'm, you know, crazy. Let's just go for the moon sort of thing. But even, even when Whole Foods approached me, you know, I, I, I could have gotten into more stores initially, but I initially just say, Hey, can I do one store in Las Vegas? And they give it to their four stores here in Las Vegas. And I said, and they gave me four to, to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think the approach that you're talking about makes just a lot of sense. Just keep it local. You know, as I talked about before, shipping is expensive. You know, if you're going to set a pallet somewhere, you know, I think one of the great things about being in Las Vegas is we are right next to, you know, four hours away from Los Angeles, a big, big metropolitan area. But I, if I just may add towards the whole idea of getting into stores, something that you will encounter is fairly common nowadays, but stores will ask you for what's referred to as a free fill, which is basically free product, free product to put on the shelf if they don't ask you for money outright to be put on the shelf. So it's just something to kind of prepare yourself for. It's kind of, it's kind of standard right now in the industry. You know, there's some, I mean, not everybody does it. It doesn't happen fairly, all the time. And is that fairly recent that they've started asking for that? Or is that just common? It's been that way since you started being approached by grocery stores. I think it's, it's, it's kind of always been practice at practice, but it's become more, more common over the last couple of years. And uh, I think the one advantage you have as a smaller vendor is that you, you have a, you have a, a better case to kind of plead with them to kind of help you out. And I know some, some grocery stores have definitely, you know, have been helpful for me as in terms in that particular area, but it's just something you got to be aware of that once you go into the wholesale arena, some people won't even talk to you if you're, you are willing to do that. They'll just go to somebody else. So, but it. You know, we're in, we're in the freeze dry industry, so it's, you know, it's pretty unique. And so you got that, you know, you got that. That's the thing is like the freeze dry process is really difficult or not really difficult, but it's difficult. And you go through all these hoops and, you know, it takes, you know, 20 hours or whatever hours to, to make your product. Uh, but the flip side of that is you have something really unique and you have something that if the grocery stores want something unique, you know, you're one of the few people that has it. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of things to say on that, but just due to time for this interview, we'll save it for another another session. I've got two more questions for you, and then we'll wrap up. And again, we're talking with Josh from Sweet Potato Awesome. He's the owner and founder, and he is based in Las Vegas, Nevada, freeze-drying sweet potato, yummy, awesome chips that are superfoods, healthy. He's got various different flavors. And so you're watching an interview of me just asking him about his business and what inspires him and giving you inspiration to start thinking about what your strategies and goals are for your freeze-dried business. All right, final two questions, Josh. What advice would you give someone who is watching this and has aspirations for going beyond that candy, you know, just that kind of cottage food operation, even just me, even for me, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not quite at the point of jumping into that expensive route of leasing a space, but, you know, do you have any advice of, you know, maybe here's how, you know, when you're ready to take that step, is there any advice on that? I don't know if you ever like, no, I think there's always going to be some element of just stepping off into the unknown, but I think in terms of advice, again, I just, you know, echo just the, the keep it simple. I, I, I think of it as like the in and out business model. Just, just keep it, keep it simple. Keep it lean. Try not to overextend yourself. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get 
a lot of people that will, you know, want you to be in such, such grocery store and it's so tempting, but I think it's always better to, to stay within your means and like, you know, it's, you know, it's great to have some big PO, but if that's going to affect the quality of your product and that's going to, you know, you're not going to be able to deliver on it, like just kind of keep it lean, keep it mean and try to, you know, at least initially just try to take on almost even just slightly less than maybe what you think you can take on and just be really good at it. Be really good at what you do and, and, and stay local, you know, stay local if you're, you know, maybe you're not near a major metropolitan area, but you know, basically, you know, stick with the closest one that's nearby you. Las Vegas has been growing. So we kind of been fortunate in that regard. It's a city that's been growing crazy amounts over the last few years. But you know, those, that, that's my biggest piece of advice. Keep it lean and mean and, and, and go from there. Now, if people don't know who you are, but they want to find out more about Sweet Potato Awesome, you know, what, where can they find you? What's the best way to kind of follow you and just get more updates and find out more about you after this interview to just kind of see your story? Sure. Well, we, we have our website, sweetpotatoawesome.com, where you can learn about all our products. In terms of like the kind of daily updates, Instagram, we kind of have more of a presence on Instagram. We do, you know, I do stories there fairly consistently. If you want to kind of follow along with us, I was sampling at a Whole Foods today. There's, there's a few pictures from today up there, but those are the big ones. I don't really do too much with Facebook or you know, TikTok or anything like that. It's primarily Instagram and our website. If you want to follow Sweet Potato Awesome, go ahead and and follow him on Instagram. I've been following him for several years since I started in 2020. It's really great to just kind of follow people who are doing things differently and doing things beyond what you're currently doing because it can push you to do things that uh, you're not quite doing and just push you outside of your limits. You never know what those limits might be to catapult you to a new career like Josh got, like Josh has. I got to ask one more question, Josh. What is with the sweet potato, the awesome part? Did somebody tell you these are so awesome and you said, all right, I'm adding awesome to the end of my business or what, what came, how'd you come up with the name sweet potato awesome? I don't remember the specific moment, but I know at some point in time, just the idea, the name came to me, sweet potato awesome, because it's a sweet potato and I'd like to think it's awesome. And so, I mean, the sweet potatoes are awesome to begin with because they're super yeah. food high in, you know, vitamin A and, and all that stuff, that sort of thing. So yeah, I don't know. It's a sort of a gift from God, I think. And most people seem to like the, the name. Uh, well, thanks for your time, Josh. Again, if you haven't subscribed to my channel, Freeze Dried Business, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Also hit the like button. If you like this content, I'm going to be doing more series with different freeze dried business owners across the country. Thanks, Josh, for your time, and and we'll catch you again some other time. Thanks a lot. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome.